Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos. Woohoo! <laughs> we are very happy to be back with another episode. Yes, I know. <laughs> and we're getting to the point now where I don't even know the number off the top of my head anymore. Oh, neither do I. But this is episode number. <clears throat> uh, uh, we... Episode number, uh, yeah. And we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, as we get started, before Andrew shares the really cool story that I'm sure he has in store for me and for you all. Oh, yes. I did want to share some like fun information. We received an email um, saying that our history podcast has been selected by some panelists um, for Feedspot as one of the top 15 human history podcasts. Yay! Clapping for us. <laughs> so we're going to link that uh, Feedspot article in the show notes for today. Mm-hmm. But it was just such a, a fun, nice thing to hear um and it's because you all are listening so yeah. thank you no guys thank you so much honestly again like i can't overstate this it always makes our day when we see these types of things and mm-hmm. again it is like stephanie's right like it's because of you guys so yes. thank you so much thank you yeah and thank you as always for the lovely messages we get and just for being here and listening with us today mm-hmm. um also this is airing on the week of thanksgiving which you know, many know it's a it's a holiday in the United States. Um, oftentimes stressful because of family. Yeah, oftentimes. <laughs> not uh, It's about stuffing your face and getting stressed out and things like that. Um, but Andrew and I were talking the other day really about how, how messed up it is that we were both grew up. We were, both grew up in the 90s. We're both from Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, really being told the thanksgiving myth right absolutely and how it's what like pilgrims and indians come together and they sing kumbaya and Mm -hmm. it's all like happy go lucky and that's not the case that's not the case it's it was definitely like depicted as like oh the native people were like wow welcome visitors here take take everything we'll teach you how to like (laughs) make corn and stuff this is we'll have a nice meal this will be fun like i'm sure there's an element of truth to that but it's so overhyped and like overplayed and it's just not real right these folks there's so much american history prior to it even being america right that we Mm -hmm. don't learn about in school um there's just so much native history and pride here that is totally like downplayed overlooked right straight up warped and it's funny that you mentioned that there must be some thread of truth in that i was looking into this and i found this smithsonian magazine article called the myths of the thanksgiving story 
and the lasting damage they imbue. And um, the correspondent named Claire Bugos, I'll link it in the show notes as well. She interviews the author of uh, David Silverman, the author of This Land is Their Land. Um, and it focuses on the story of the Wamapog Indians in the Plymouth Colony. Oh, cool. <clears throat> super, super interesting. So I'm going to share that in the show notes for folks to read. Because I think it's super important to like educate ourselves on the truth. Right. Obviously, that's what this whole <laughs> podcast is about, is, is history. And oftentimes history is ugly. Yeah, I'd say most of history, the vast majority of history is pretty ugly. Right, and that doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge it and look at it. So mm-hmm. we definitely wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that um, just because you could still, en- I think you can still enjoy the holiday, but recognize the heaviness of it for so many people, for especially for the Native community here. Right, I, I, I completely agree. I think it is a holiday to you know give thanks for what you have and to listen to your annoying uncle rant on <laughs> politics, but also to like really understand the history of this, the real history of this. The re- yeah, I think it's much more empowering for everyone. And it let, like I think what's beautiful about understanding history and the truth of it is it allows us to make a better future. Right. So we don't make the same mistakes. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Damn <laughs> so, that's good, baby. <laughs> so we hope, you know, if you celebrate that you enjoy the holiday, we hope you read the article or do whatever research you want to do on your own to learn right. more. Um, but without further ado, Ooh. my love, what do you have for us this week? Nice. Okay. My turn. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit before the time of Thanksgiving. In fact, uh, a couple thousand years before. Okay. So <laughs> taking us back. We're going back. We're going to the ancient world. And I think that the phrase stranger than fiction really applies to the story because it just gets weird. Um, it's it's interesting. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. It's a weirdo. Uh, they're a bunch of weirdos. It's a bunch of weirdos in the best here. way possible. Yeah, we want to hear some stuff. It's yeah. This is a this is it's an interesting story. Um, in fact, the story is about a group of individuals who probably or almost certainly would have absolutely been known as weirdos in their time. But okay. again, in the best way possible. Okay, they would have been going against the grain. Yes, sort of. Yeah, de- I definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you know, I'm just surprised that Netflix hasn't made a story on this yet because it's right up their alley. Oh, you're get, there. Someone yeah, Netflix. works at Netflix. Yo, Netflix, listening. hit me up. Yeah, someone. Uh, pay me money. Give me that bag. <laughs> Please. <laughs> because this is about an elite military unit made up entirely of homosexual men. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean that? As in it was intentional? It was intentionally. That it was just gay men. It is just gay men. And this is in the ancient world. This is in the ancient world. Elite. There were elite military groups in the ancient world? There were. Wow. Yes. The setting of the story takes place, as a matter of fact, in ancient Greece, unsurprisingly. Mm, Unsurprisingly. So before we fully get into it, I feel like I have to give just a bit of a backstory. Absolutely. Um... I'm going to go through it quickly, just so you guys can have a bit of understanding, especially if you're not familiar with, you know, ancient Greece. Yeah. Because I know it is a very different world to the one that we know now. Of course. So, here's some backstory. The era that we know as ancient Greece starts sometime between the years 800 and 750 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, the region was coming out of a time known as the Greek Dark Ages, and this was a time where we know 
pretty much nothing about because any sort of prior civilization had completely collapsed and had just gone to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, writing had been completely lost during this time. Like, the ability to write. There was, but there are writings from prior. There was writings from prior. Yeah. And... And then the, people forgot how. The people forgot how. Language <laughs> is just... I don't know. We don't know what happened to the language. It just went away. Everyone was just really not communicative <laughs> during yeah. this time. But the, the Greek language that would arise after the, these Dark Ages mm-hmm. um, would be completely different than the one that was spoken from before. And is the the Greek language from after the Dark Ages, is that different than modern Greek as well? Yes, but it's much more closely related. Okay. So it's what would eventually become So that one evolved Greek. into like a, the modern Greek language, but right. this is so separate from the language before the yeah, Dark Yeah, the language ages. before, completely different alphabet. Whoa. It was just very different. Oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's insane. In fact, um, I saw this Quora article once, uh, quick aside, where it showed like, you know, ancient Greek, mm-hmm. like, and then the guy could, he's like, I'm kind of just an average Greek person and I'm going to try to like, you know, read this. And so. <laughs> an average Greek person. I know. I, I don't know what that meant, but like college educated, I guess, or I don't know, whatever. But he basically said like the ones that are really far back, like the original versions of like, you know, the Iliad from like the 8th century BC was really hard to decode. Whereas the ones from like, you know, later on, like second or first century BC were a lot easier. That's so interesting. Yeah. But still different. Um, but anyways. Uh, in case you were wondering, the time before the Greek Dark Ages was known as the Bronze Age. FYI. And then there was the Bronze Age collapse, you guys. Which then created the, the Greek Dark Ages. The Greek Dark Ages. Boom! I, you know what's up, babe. I, I live with you. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to stick. This Something. Is, <laughs> I'll be brushing my teeth. I'm reading a nice book, trying to get to bed. I'm doing dishes. Whatever I'm doing in my life. And Andrew's yeah. like... Did you know about the Mycenaean Greeks and the bronze? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> no, I don't really care that Save much. Save it for the podcast, sir. <laughs> yeah. Which you've done. Which I've kind of done. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Whatever. But anyway, suffice it to say, there was not a lot going on during the Greek Dark Ages except people struggling to survive. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all there was going on. Sounds dark. So, by the mid-8th century BC, roughly 750 BC, we start to see some signs of development. Communities become cities which are called poles or a polis in Mm -hmm. the singular. Oh, okay. A polis like uh, Annapolis. Annapolis. Yes, exactly. Cool. In fact, yeah, it's a common root word Mm -hmm. like metropolis, Annapolis, uh, Persepolis, Mm -hmm. etc. Art, writing, and even organized military become a thing now for the first time in centuries. And the various Greek people take to the seas and start settling in colonies um, over the next few centuries, you know, as far west as modern day France. Wow. Yeah, and as far, and then, you know, along like the Black Sea and the coast of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. So, yeah, kind of all, all over. Mm-hmm. Um, these city states or, you know, polis become the dominant form of Greek nations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to note that unlike today, there was no unified Greece. Mm-hmm. But. You know, that being said, there was a watershed moment that happened in the late 500s BC and early 400s BC, the Greco-Persian Wars. Oh. And this is the only time really in like Greek history up to that point where the, there is like for a very short period, like a Panhellenic like army, right? All okay. of these Greek the police. Yeah, they unified against a common threat, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, very, very long story short, uh, the Greeks win, and the two major powers that come out of this are the polis of Athens and the polis of Sparta, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I'm sure many listeners have heard of those, like, yeah. city-states. That's kind of, like, where we start, le- where I at least start started learning about it in, like, school. Exactly, yeah. And those are the two that are always the most talked about. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, to oversimplify, like, the next 80 years or so, <laughs> the Athenians and Spartans eventually come to blows in a war known today as the Peloponnesian War. Mm-hmm. And again, very... you, you love the Peloponnesian. I war. do. Yes, it, it's it's just because it's super fascinating. It's kind of like the first war in known human history that is like a quote unquote like world war, not like total world war, obviously, but like a lot of different major powers from like vast area oh, are like, like took fighting. Sides. Yeah, it took sides against each other. Oh, okay. It was mainly like Sparta and everyone versus Athens, but again, Sparta and everyone versus Athens. <laughs> but yeah, and it's still Screw like Athens. I mean, Sparta won, but like it took like 30 years. So, wow. Yeah, it was a long, long time. But anyways, yeah, long story short, Sparta wins. Sparta is now effectively the de facto ruler of all of Greece, but this was not to last. Bum bum da. Very good. Thank you. Yes, I was. I was looking for your approval there. I was I'm in glad the middle I got of a it. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not so great then. Uh, anyways, back to our narrative now. Mm-hmm. That's enough backstory. So the year is 382 BC, and Sparta has hegemony, you know, over the Greeks, and it's been that way for like roughly 20 years. You say? How'd you say it? Hegemony. He- hegemony. Yeah. Or- I thought it was hegemony. Uh, like you say hegemon but i've i've heard both actually okay or hegemon it's one of those words that i've i almost only ever read right but never say aloud i mean it's okay in my tiktok like people always they're like you say this wrong and it's funny like because half the time i'm like no i'm no for a a hundred percent what like like i am correct in this (laughs) and it's just it's really funny that you know people just they always want to correct your yeah, I'm not saying you did, but just like in No, in no, general. I wasn't trying to correct. I was yeah. curious because I want to sound smart. You want to sound smart, smart? I want to sound smart moving forward. No, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> I think it's kind of like, you know, like what that one linguist said, as long as you kind of understand what the person's saying, yeah. it's like, it's the right way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's like, it's literally an ancient word. Um, okay, where am I? Oh yeah, that's right. So the Spartans had just installed a pro-Spartan puppet government in the polis of Thebes. Mm -hmm. Thebes is going to be very important uh, coming up. The two Theban leaders are now enter the the narrative. Um, (laughs) I'm going to butcher these guys' names. (laughs) Pelopidas, I think, and Epimenondas. Okay, let me try to say this. Epimenondas. I think that's right. That sounds right. Epimenondas. I and I, to my Greek, if anyone's Greek, I apologize in yeah, advance. We're really sorry. Yeah, I can't say I'm just going to butcher these words and I apologize. I'm trying my best. If anyone wants to send us a voice note, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would. the appropriate pronunciation, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> we really would. We're not even being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Pelopidas was in exile in Athens while Epimenondas was inside the city secretly or, you know, possibly not so secretly, according to some sources, stoking anti-Spartan sentiments. Oh, snap. Yeah, because, you know, stirring the pot. people are like, yo, like Sparta, like Thebes had been allied with Sparta during the Peloponnesian War. But then okay. afterwards, they're like, well, we don't like you that much. We just did. We like we disliked Athens even more. Yeah. So, but now they're like, but now, now Athens. Now we're stuck with you and we yeah. don't really like you. And they actually ironically kind of like Athens. They're starting to get buddy-buddy with them. Okay. 
to make things like oversimplified. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's really, we're still kind of doing, I guess we are in the narrative, but it's still a little bit of the backstory of what is to come. Like the, the, the central, context. Yeah, the context. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're so smart, smart. Mm, thank you. Okay. So this is where it kind of gets a little funny. The year is 379 and a plot is hatched. Awesome. Yeah. On the night that there was to be a festival honoring essentially what we would call free love. Like, oh. You know, insert hippie joke here. Uh-huh. Um, a group of Thebans and allied Athenians would infiltrate the city disguised and dressed as women. Mm-hmm. And this was under the guise of seducing the <gasps> pro-Spartan, um, like, puppets, essentially. Uh-huh. The, the puppet politicians. Pu- the political yeah. puppets? Yeah, the political puppets. <laughs> they assassinated so them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So their plan was... To, per- to seduce them, to get them vulnerable, and then kill them. Yes, exactly. Wow. And this was during, like, a free love celebration? Right. So was it... What did that entail? Do you know? Is that, like... like you could, you know... Public You could... I don't or... know what exactly it entails, but essentially it means that, you know, men... Because, of course, a woman couldn't... Um, <laughs> like, in, in, this is just typical in ancient Greek society. Like, uh, you know, have adult relations. With, uh, like, outside with of marriage. Right. And it's... Fair game. Fair game. For men of. to do it. For men. To initiate. Yes. But not like a, a wife couldn't go out and be like, yeah, I'm going to go find someone for the night. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. That's all of human history right there, ladies and <laughs> <Yeah>. gentlemen. <laughs> it's funny because later in Hellenistic societies, it changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at this point, no way. Yeah. It's still like very much so a patriarchal society. Yes. Like in any of... Ironically, Sparta is one of the more like quote unquote liberal. Uh-huh. Um... And I'm not going to get into it because it's really not part of the story. But, like, they're, it's funny because Athens always gets credit for being the one that's, like, you know, they're the one that has democracy. Very and forward thinking. Very forward thinking. But mm-hmm. it was really the Spartans that were the ones that had, like, universal um, education for both men and women. Oh, okay. And it was not the, the Athenians that had that. I thought, anyways, su- I'm just a nerd, so. No, that's okay. All I hear is that the patriarchy is not chill. <laughs> I am not a fan. You're not a fan? No. That may come I as mean, a surprise to you, but... That is, that is surprising. Huh. Weird. <laughs> okay. I would have thought you would. So they assassinate them. So they assassinate them. And um, and through the use of, like, their Athenian allies, the Hopilites, uh-huh. like, basically, like, the soldiers, Athenian soldiers, they kicked the Spartan garrison out of the city. Mm-hmm. So now Thebes is free from Spartan rule. Yay, Thebes! Yay, Thebes! So obviously Sparta was not going to take this lightly. Uh, they they did not appreciate this. Right. Like I don't appreciate the patriarchy. Right. I understand. Sparta did not being <laughs> did not appreciate being kicked out of Thebes, <laughs> and they would send military units to devastate the surrounding area outside of Thebes. So in response to this, a chap by the name of Gorgidas or Gorgidas, um, whom so, we know very little about. Okay. Yeah, he forms a, a unit. That would be known as the Sacred Band of Thebes. Oh, that's oh. a good band name. I know, Sacred Band of Thebes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and this is the 150 pairs of male lovers who would comprise the most elite military unit of the entire polis. What? <laughs> yes. So it was pay- so, like they picked couples. Yes, male couples, and I'll, like later on, I'll get into like more specifics. But you know what's really funny about this is that the inspiration comes from, or what we think comes from, none other than Plato, the uh-huh. philosopher. Oh, but I guess yeah, maybe you'll answer this. I'm just surprised like that they found couples. 
like yeah. that many couples. It's That's a lot. Well, it's because you also have to understand too that like like that that many couples that were like this sounds like a great mission for me. I'm well trained and my partner's also down. Yeah, it, it that is that's an interesting perspective too. It's also you know something to note too is like the way that we view you know like couples being is gay or straight or whatever that they didn't exist back then. Right. I think we may have talked about it or mentioned it in another episode, but that I do know that they didn't have the the. The construct, I guess, of, like, for men at least. I don't know about for women. But for men, they didn't really think of it as being gay. It was just a common, like, just a normal way to have relationships. Which it is. So they were very advanced in that way. Yeah, yeah. They were. Um, No, just because, like, in some ways, like, I think they were advanced. But then also in other ways, like, they weren't. Because a lot of them involved children. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so that's why I was like, you know, like, in some ways they were advanced, in other ways, not as much. Right. And I guess that's just humanity, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. But it just, you know, I I think it's nuts that it's something that's very natural became reverted like sti- into something yeah. that was not natural. Right, exactly. When it's literally, as we could see here, been around since ancient times. Since- <laughs> <laughs> yes, like the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> like the 1920s. <laughs> a little bit before the 1920s, I suppose. So they have 150 gay male couples. Yes, and this comes possibly, and again possibly, from the famous philosopher of Plato, who would, you know, of course then, you know, go on who learned from socrates and would then go on and teach aristotle mm-hmm. um you know just because i think that's super interesting in his famous work titled symposium he states that an army composed of such men could conquer the entire world <laughs> you know what <laughs> hell yeah well you know this is the crazy <laughs> thing so whether you know that's the case or not you know can be debated but what is certain is that this military unit was effective I'm sure. They were very effective. So, so interesting. military units comprised of 300 men specifically, you know, not necessarily, you know, um, you know, homosexual, you know, lovers. Yeah. Um, were not uncommon in ancient Greece. In fact, you know, the most famous of them is, you know, the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae who was um, subject of that 2006, I believe, movie, 300. Oh, yeah, by yeah. By Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Sparta. Yeah. I never saw it. Oh, it's excellent. There is a very awkward um, sex scene. <laughs> yeah, you told me. Please tell them. I'm going to tell you guys. So uh, I saw this movie when I was 14 years old, right, in, in theaters. And I saw it with my grandmother. And there is a very graphic sex scene in there. Because it's in slow motion, And it's in right? slow motion, yes. And it's a threesome? No, no, it's just... Oh. It's just... Um, was I hyping it up even more Yeah, in my you mind? were, yeah. But yeah, no, it's just, you know, uh, it's King Leonidas and his wife. Um, and they are just, you know, going at it. And I had to sit through that with my grandma. How uncomfortable for both of you. Yeah, it was, I was, it, it felt like it lasted like ages. Like six hours and it was like, probably like a two minute scene. Yeah, but it felt like it was the entirety of the Bronze Age. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's so, <sighs> 14, oh my God, I would have died. Yes. Um, but that's, in the movie 300, is yeah. it specifically the 300? Are they also gay men? No, no, no. Oh, okay. So this, this like, this um, unit of 150, like, male couples, right? Mm-hmm. This is revolutionary that we know okay. of. This okay. was unprecedented. This was the first time they tried yes, this. Yes, but not the first, like, unit made up of specifically 300 men. For some reason, that was a big theme in Greek amongst different, you That's know, polis. That's interesting. Polis. 
Polis. Yeah, no, San Diegoites. <laughs> <laughs> That's Anyways. so interesting that they were um, loyal to that number. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, so in 375 BC, the sacred band would have its very first test in what would be known as the Battle of Tegra. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just want to note that, you know, Pelopidas had now assumed command of the band as it seemed that our boy Gorgadas had disappeared from the historical record. You know, oh. possibly dying right before the battle. We don't know. I was going to say, well, he probably died. He just drops off completely. Yeah. The Thebans were outnumbered like two to three times by the Spartans. Oh my god. And, however, though, the phalanx of the sacred band broke through the Spartan lines with the help of the Theban cavalry and won the day. Wow. Being incredibly outnumbered. And it was a smaller battle for sure. Okay. Like there was only maybe 500 Thebans and possibly like, you know, 1,500 Spartans. So it was a small battle, but still like being heavily outnumbered that it's kind of incredible. Yeah. And at this point, was Spartan culture, is this the Spartan culture that we know that's really known for its warfare? Yes. In fact, it's funny you say that. This was uh, like, this was an incredible achievement because the Spartans had previously never lost a pitched battle where they had numerical superiority. Oh my God. This is the very first time. And in fact, the success would be followed up with an even more incredible victory that would be known as the Battle of Leuctra. Okay. So in that battle fought in 371 BC, the sacred band fought directly against the elite Spartan hoplites and broke through their lines despite being outnumbered again. Wow. And so this one was a really important battle. This one, in fact, I think a lot of historians call this the most... um, like prolific battle of Greeks versus Greeks in like the ancient world and ancient history. Oh my history. God. Yeah. Because this, um, this ended Spartan hegemony in all of Greece. Yeah. Sorry. If you guys hear that little like tip taps, it's Stella just walking around. She says, hi, she says, hi guys. <laughs> She's our little weirdo. So that's huge. This is huge. Yeah. So now it's essentially Thebes has hegemony over all of Greece. Thebes. Thebes. So I they like went from name. being like literally like, you know, having us taken over by Spartans to, you know, controlling most of Greece in a matter of like 10 years. Because of the sacred band. In large part, yeah. Because wow. of the sacred band. They were like the, they were like, like who's the most badass like fighting force in America, in like American. The like, SEALs. The SEALs. Or there's, I know there's even groups within the SEALs that are like the badasses of the SEALs. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, whoever like that would be. They're like the elite of the elite. The elite of the elite. That's who like the sacred band were. Wow. They're all like, you know, together, you know. That's so interesting. Okay. I have so many questions, but I don't don't know if you're going to like get to. I'm going to get to a little bit, um, you know, like the story is kind of coming to a close, but before I do, I want to go into a little bit about like the relationships and like what made up the sacred band. So, you know, first of all, um, they didn't belong to any sort of class. Like, they were from all the classes of, oh, of okay. Theban society, right? Like, whether they were high class or, like, the, the very bottom. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about their class system, to be honest, but they were, you know, it, it was irrespective of that, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it was simply due to merit. And they're, wow, that's so yeah. cool. That's very that's why they were for so the good. time. Yeah. Right. That's why they were so good. They're like, we just want the best. It doesn't matter like who your parents are or what yeah. part of the city you're from. Exactly. We just want the best. Exactly. Okay. And um, the 150 couples consisted of an older Erastes lover. This is kind of like the, the English equivalent. Okay. And a younger Romanes uh, or beloved. 
So an older man and a young man. I'm really hoping it's not. Mm. I think that young man was like 18 and older, but... And but possibly the, not. But possibly not, yeah. Right. But the, So it sounds like the idea is mentorship. Yes, and so, like, and there's a lot of the ancient... And that's the problem with ancient history is like mm-hmm. you get a lot of historians that or you know the ancient historians that that give conflicting um, accounts, yeah, I'm sure. which is annoying. So like the the later Greco-Roman Polyanus, uh, yes, his name is Polyanus. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I knew you were gonna laugh. I mean, to be fair, I would have I laughed at that before. So um, what an unfortunate name for today. Yeah, I know Polyanus. <laughs> I can't help it now. So he described the band as as men, quote-unquote, devoted to each other by mutual obligations of love. Mm. So kind of cool. You yeah. Know, it sounds good. Um, also, according to another Greco-Roman historian, Plutarch, he's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the men took sacred vows at the altar of Aeolus, mm-hmm. who was a lover, a male lover of Heracles. Hey, Heracles. Or Hercules would be the Roman equivalent. Yeah. So they're basically married. They kind of are. Yeah, like, it's not like... So in traditional Greek society, and this is like a vast, vast, like, oversimplification, but, like, typically when you were younger, you could have, like, you know, male lovers and And your wife, yeah. Yeah, and then, like... But eventually, when you got older, though, you're supposed to just be with your wife, really. and like To procreate. And obviously you could, you know... Men had sexual liberties. Right. And obviously, that they could participate with, with men or women. Right. With, yeah. Usually, yeah. though, the by men, it was boys. Children. Children. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. How times have changed. Hopefully. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get too much into that. But, yeah, the, generally speaking, like, so that's what's kind of odd is that they were men, you know, together. Both men. Yeah, both men. Yeah, together. At least in their social construct, the younger man was still seen as a man, not a boy. Right. He was yeah. still a man. Like a young man, but Right. For younger. them, who knows what age that is. Maybe it's 18, maybe it's 16, but like a man in their society. Right. That's exactly. so interesting. You know, and also, what, you know, what's super interesting is that these men were became the first permanent standing army in the history of Greece. Wow. Yeah, like as all soldiers were before were either mostly citizen soldiers, right? So like part time, they'd like fight in times of war, and then you know they would go back to being, uh, you know, farmers or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and or yeah. you know, or mercenaries, obviously. Yeah. Um. So this was interesting. Like the first state sponsored, like, you know standing military unit that's so crazy to think about because we 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 think that is so standard with any nation like now now, right yeah but yeah standing armies were um i think it was the assyrians in the 7th century bc were the first that we know of to create a standing army and it didn't last very long i know right like even the romans didn't have standing armies until the very end of the second century bc yeah um before then you know when they fought in like the the Hannibal and uh-huh. and you know all the other people that they fought before, that those were citizen soldiers. They were yeah. not standing armies. That's so nuts. I know, right? So also, I I forgot to put in my notes, but I think it's important to mention that a lot of this, a lot of our information about Thebes comes from Xenophon, mm-hmm. and he was an Athenian, and he was he was kind of a dick. Yeah, well, he, his name I, sounds like an itch cream or something. I, I, know, I actually love his name, <laughs> Xenophon, with an X. Um, but yeah, he was kind of a dick. Like, he was very anti-Thebes. Oh. And so, like, that's... But he is... It's because of him, though, that we know so much about it. And that's why... So... 
you know? It's like bias though. It's definitely bias. And it's also, yeah. you know, part of the reason why we know a lot more about Sparta and Athens mm-hmm. and not much, as much about Thebes, even though like, they were a powerhouse. Cause he's like, I don't really like Thebes. Yeah. He's like, I don't like them. I'm not going to write about them. Yeah. I don't, I don't like them. I don't like them. <laughs> I kind of do like him, but I also don't like him at the same time. I love that you have preferences for your ancient historians. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. Like, Polybius is probably my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> do you have an outright least favorite? An outright least favorite? Or you're like, screw that guy. I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. But give me, like, maybe a couple weeks and I'll, I can I can come up with one. Which of the Plinys do you prefer? Oh, definitely Pliny the Younger. Yeah. Yeah, he was a he was a pen pal of Trajan, yeah, the Roman emperor. Yeah, he was a good guy. Also, but I do like Pliny the Elder. He died in Vesuvius. I know. Is that crazy? Like, on, like on trying his way to save, there. Yeah, he was trying to save his friend. Yeah, he died. Poor Some guy. Some rich lady, right? In yeah. the villa. Yeah, I wonder if he was like you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's okay back to the story here. Weirdly enough, so we don't know a lot about what happens to the sacred band between the victory at Leuctra in 371 BC and 338 BC. Okay. And I'll get into the importance of 338 BC in a second here. But we can assume that they were still one of the most elite fighting forces in all of Greece, if not the preeminent fighting force Mm -hmm. in Greece. However, there was another force on the horizon that was filling the vacuum that had been put into place by all the fighting between the Greeks, right? So many, there was so much death, and I think population had declined pretty drastically. Ugh, war. Power vacuum. And Macedonia, a Hellenistic Aww, kingdom. Snap. Oh, yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> Macedonia, a Hellenistic kingdom in the northern part of Greece, was just mm-hmm. on a run, let's just say. And uh, it was become the preeminent power of all the Greek-speaking peoples. Mm-hmm. So the king of Macedon was a name or was a man by the name of Philip II. He's an important father of someone. Yes, we'll, Is he not? we'll, we'll, we'll get Is into he that. Okay. We will get into that. Yes. And in fact that his son will play a part in the demise of the sacred band. Oh my goodness. I know. It's actually pretty intense. So ironically funny enough though, um, Philip II was a political prisoner of Thebes during the Battle of Leuctra oh, wow. as a young man. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, so he was there. Um, and it was the sacred band's victory that probably gave him a few ideas of his own. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) So by 338 BC though, Philip was effectively in control of almost all of Greece through both diplomacy and through his revolutions in reforming the phalanx. Okay. So basically the Greek phalanx had been the the same for centuries. And, um, you know, his Mm. phalanx called the Macedonian phalanx. Basically, he did a lot of different things, but the most important thing he did was he increased the length of the spears, and they were called sarissas now. Oh, cool. Um, I forgot what the, the just the normal Greek spear was called, but it's not important. Um, I'm not going to bore you with any more details, honestly, because it's not really important to the story. Okay. Just know that the Macedonian phalanx was far superior to the Greek phalanx and would become like a gold standard until the ad, you know, until the Roman legions essentially. Okay. Everyone take notes, take notes, Macedonian phalanx, phalanx, phalanx greater than Greek, Greek phalanx. Yeah. Got it. They had really long spears, really long spears called sarissas called sarissas. There you go. Got it. You got it there. You should just be a teacher. Yeah. I'm going to be a professor now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So the ultimate showdown would take place in what would be known as the battle of Chironea. 
this sounds important. Yeah, it's very important, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like in the history of like the world, it's pretty important. Oh, okay. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> the Thebans and the Macedonians were pretty evenly matched in terms of numbers, but the Macedonian skill would just ultimately prevail, right? They had the Macedonian phalanx, and the Greek phalanx just could not compete. Right. Um, Macedonian greater than. Got Macedonian it. greater than. So while the rest of the Theban army would eventually just hightail it out of there, the sacred band would not run, and they stood their ground. Of course they did. Of course they did. Our boys, all 300 men would die on the battlefield, and oh. the previously undefeated um, you know, sacred band would cease to exist. Oh, that's so sad. I know, it is. All of them. So a large part of this victory for Philip, by the way, was Freaking because Philip. of his immensely popular and ingenious son, known as Alexander. Yay! <laughs> and yes, listeners, it's that Alexander. The great. The great. That's so interesting because in the... My deep knowledge of Alexander the Great <laughs> is very vast, and it primarily comes from that film. Um, <laughs> the one with Colin Farrell? The one with Colin yes. Farrell. That's the extent of my knowledge of Alexander the Great. And in the movie, they made Philip seem like a real, kind of like a loser. Yeah, and you know what? I, I didn't think they gave him a fair shake. I think there there was some like a, an element of truth to that like he was a drunk right oh okay but so was alexander yeah i bet like alexander oh, was they as didn't well. water down their wine right yeah they got yeah this is a fun fact like so in ancient greek and even in later in ancient roman society it was not okay to get like really like effed up yeah you, you know, couldn't get wasted you couldn't get wasted um it was just it was like you get buzzed and that was it right right Macedonians, no, they were like the frat stars of the ancient world. Um, <laughs> so I'm so sorry, guys, that I even used that word. But oh it's like, they, basically, they had like straight up like fr- frat ragers. They were like, like, work hard, play hard. They really were. Okay. Um, they just got absurdly drunk and they and they were uh, polygamous as well. Mm-hmm. Like the Macedonian men would take multiple wives. Yeah, Philip had multiple wives, He right? did, yes. Yeah. Including Olympias, uh, Alexander's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Colin Farrell's mother. Because that makes sense. Total babe. Total babe. <laughs> uh, I don't, even today. Seriously. Even today. So, you know, ultimately, that only defeat that the sacred band ever had um, was at the hands of like some of the greatest generals in the ancient world. Like, Alexander the Great may be the greatest general of the ancient world. Like, yeah. all the ancient world. Like, yeah. you know, I think his only competition would be later on would be, like, Caesar. Um, but even then, like, still, regardless, like, just... So I just... I, I, the only reason I'm making such, a, like, a point on this is because it's not like they were just, like, oh, you know, defeated by some, you know, whatever. Some rando. Some rando. No, it was just because they just happened, unfortunately. The best of the best showed up. Yes. And beat them. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. I'm rambling. Mm-hmm. But yes, I appreciate the kind of the, <laughs> the wrap up there. Um, so anyways, it's said that Philip had enormous respect for the sacred band. So he buried all of them in neat lines um, oh. next to each other on the battlefield. Oh, that's actually kind of nice. Yeah. I think he had enormous respect. And also since he game was respects a... Game respects game. Right. And he was a political prisoner of Thebes and he was treated well from what, from oh, like my knowledge. Yeah. So. Yeah. He must have been to have that, any sort of reverence or respect for right them. and mm-hmm. i think he, he had some pretty deep respect so you never answered my question that i was oh. like in the back of my mind i was trying not to jump in in case you were going to get to it yeah 
were the um, the men in the band, were they couples prior to joining or were they coupled off upon joining? That's a good question then. I don't know the answer. It seemed just based off of my, my research is that it was from before. But again, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it was. That's more romantic, so that's yes. what I want it to be. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And then, so there was like, what was the older guy called? The let me go back into my notes here. What is it? The older is the Arastes or the lover, and the younger was the, the Romer. Yeah, the beloved. Mm, okay, and do, do you? Oh, here was my second question. Yes. Do you know if they took wives? No. They did not. They just had each other? Yes. Okay, third question. Yes. Why did Plato think <laughs> that gay men were the ones to conquer the world? I think it's because it goes back to like the, like they were always enamored with like the past. Like they always thought like That's crazy because the they're the super past. I know, right? <laughs> it's so and weird it's to just, think about. It's just like typical like, humans. Like, yeah, we, right? we, we romanticize always, the past. And they Absolutely. heavily romanticize like the past, right? To us, we know that like, you know, Heracles and Achilles and Patroclus and all that, mm-hmm. they were, you know, they're legends, they're legends right? They're myths. Yeah. But to them, they, that was history. That was real to them. Right. And so like Heracles with his lover, they could, they could destroy, like they could, you know, I don't know. They could like destroy any army, right? Herak, or and then I'm sorry, and then uh, Achilles. He was a hero. He's a Greek. Yeah, hero, he was yeah. a hero. And then Achilles and Patroclus. They like, were the same thing. Like dynamic Achilles hero. would do anything for Patroclus, and that was kind of their that mentality, right? Yeah. That like that strategy was like if we could just like pair up these great fighters that love each other, mm-hmm. they could conquer the world. Because then, like, I wonder if the idea is like. Because when you send out an army of men with wives, they eventually want to go home, mm-hmm. right? They're like, well, I have a wife and I have kids and stuff like that waiting right? for me. And obviously in this time, there was no way for them to biologically have children um, with their lover if, if both are the same sex. So right. I wonder if it's like, oh, no, they won't have kids to worry about. And then they're not going to have like a wife at home that they're like, I need to get back to her. Yeah, exactly. Like if their focus is more, their whole life is the military. Yeah. And it's like the man standing next to them. Yeah. Their whole life is this killing and the person who's beside them doing killing. And they're going to do everything they can. They're going to fight as hard as they can because the person they love is standing next to them. Right. And that's kind of like like the love motivates them. Right. Exactly. Oh, I didn't even think of that because I would have just been like, then put their wives in there with them, but they didn't see women that way at all. No, they did not see women as like fighters, right? So I also wonder if this is related at all to their their displeasure, their, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to, like their lack of value of like female traits in general. If they're like, oh, men are so much better. What's better than one man, two men? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not necessarily wrong because like they definitely did not. uh, Women were always, you know, it wasn't until like later on, like Hellenistic um, era that like women played more of a part and just like and got more say in society in society in general. Yeah. This time, like women were really second class citizens. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't allowed to do like, they couldn't go outside of their houses, I think without a husband's permission. And some, yeah. And every polis was different, but like, yeah, like in most of them, it was, you were absolutely a second class citizen. Wow. And you were either like the property essentially of either your father or Mm -hmm. later on your husband. Mm -hmm. 
That's so interesting because that obviously stood the test of time throughout human history across cultures and nations. And right. that was that seed really, really stuck. Yes, exactly. Desafortunadamente. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, going back to the story here, it's not even done. It's not done? Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought it was done. And I was like, I must ask all my questions. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's We're going to fast forward a lot now. Okay. We're going to the... Um, 19th century so the 1800s okay so to put also i should mention this too um on top of the burial there was a a a statue of a massive lion oh because lions are cool lions are cool and so and also it it does show (laughs) that phil absolutely respected these men right even though he just butchered them but anyways so it was a pleasure butchering you all (laughs) so excavations in the 19th century like started by just way of chance encounter discovered uh, not only the lion mentioned in the ancient text, but also the bodies of the sacred band. Oh my God. They, they found the bones them were still there by just a, a freak chance encounter. They weren't looking for them. They weren't looking. Basically the store long story short is I think it was um, an architect was just like, like messing around with his friends um, like 200 <laughs> years ago. Silly architects. Yeah, silly architects. And he just tripped over this like marble thing and he looked into it. He's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And he just dug a little bit and he found like, you know, like kind of the head of a lion. And he's like, oh, this is weird. So he went to Athens and said like, hey, I found this thing. And then they started excavations over the course of like decades, right? <sighs> and they found all of this. And so to my research though, only 254 bodies were found of the 300. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, why, mm-hmm. but maybe there was, I don't know, something going on. I don't know. Maybe like some of the bodies were lost or, or whatever. Yeah. Or died elsewhere and, and they couldn't yeah. find them when they initially buried them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, to me, it's always super interesting when archaeology backs up historical texts. Yeah. That's I so love crazy. That. I know. And thousands of years later. Wow. And so now... That is the story of the sacred band of Thebes. Oh my god, that's yes. so cool. I know what isn't that so dope? I've never ever heard of that and I love it so much. I know it's that's so, so cool. interesting. And it's also interesting that like Alexander comes up because he was also again, they wouldn't have thought of it the way we think of it, but he also had male lovers. He did, yes. He had a Persian I for sure he had like a, a male Persian consort. I forgot his name, but then mm-hmm. and also there's always rumored that he and uh, Hephaestion, or you call him Hep C <laughs> for I short. Can't say his name. Hephaestion, yeah, they were kind of Jared you know, Leto. Jared Leto, uh, they were like <laughs> Colin Farrell or Colin Firth, which Colin? Colin was? Farrell. Colin Farrell and Jared Leto. Yes, mm-hmm. you know they were. You know, it could have been you know a little, a little more. They than were buddies. more than buddies, yeah. yeah. But then modern historians often would look at at these historical figures that were in homosexual relationships and be like they were just like the best of friends <laughs> i mean you could say that <laughs> <laughs> isn't that true though for a you're long time, my best friend yeah <laughs> for a long time though that's how it was told it was like wow they just were really really close yeah that, I, that is true but it's like yeah they were really really close they were in love yes exactly wow that's so interesting yes and so before we like we end this i do want to give my sources yeah so go for it i don't forget uh, one of the a really great article I found was on the National Endowment for, for the Humanities. Oh, cool. Yeah, they did a great job in you know telling the story. Also, worldhistory.org, History Daily, Heritage Daily, Britannica.com. Love Britannica. I know, they're, they're, they're killing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, our favorite. Wikipedia. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Okay, one more thing before we wrap up. Yes. I want to say, I think what's really cool about learning these stories of, 
you know, and they lived in such different worlds, it's impossible to compare their societies to our societies. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's cool because obviously for so long here in our culture, we had the pervasive myth that being gay means you're not strong Right. Or masculine. Yeah, that's a great point. Or tough or all of those like BS things that came up. And it's like, this is, it's just lovely to see like, this is not, those beliefs aren't inherent. They're made up. Yes, exactly. As we go along. Especially, I mean, Cause lo- sacred they were like they were like, these are the most masculine. They, these are the toughest. These yes. are the strongest. And we would consider that, you know, very gay. <laughs> yeah. Like a better term. Yeah. That's yeah. so so interesting how that changes and i think it's really important to shed light on so many of our biases are just that they're just made up biases yeah yeah, exactly there's no merit it's just humans being you know human human yeah seriously (laughs) well i hope you enjoyed it it sounded like you did yeah that was really cool i know thank you so much i really enjoyed actually researching this and the first time i heard about the sacred band of thebes i was like Oh my God, this is, I like immediately, I'm like, I'm absolutely doing an episode on this. Oh, good. 100%. Yeah, Yeah, you've been telling me, he's been teasing, like, oh, I have such a cool one, I have such a cool one. Yeah. And it was really great. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you for listening. And thank you listeners for listening. One more question. Yes. You gave me so many questions. Do you know if you can see the the remains anywhere? Oh, I don't know. I didn't didn't check, honestly. You guys let us know, because I'm too lazy to Google it. Someone, someone else Google it. Let us know if we could go see the remains. Yeah, I, I know you can see... I've seen pictures of the lion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can see the lion. It That's looks, good enough. He looks, like, fierce. I think this means, weirdos, we all got to go to Greece. Yes, I know. Oh, <sighs> I really... Dude, we should definitely do, like, a meetup in Greece. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Yay! Rome, <laughs> Rome and Athens, right? Rome and Athens and... We'll party in some other spots as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. I really want to go to like Persepolis, but it's ruined. So, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know what? Who 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 like made it ruins? Alexander. Alexander, you you feisty yeah. rascal. And you know why? Because he was hammered, and some woman was like, "Maybe you should just destroy it." And he's like, "Okay." That's literally one of the accounts of how it was destroyed. Oh my god, babe, you you've got the the facts this episode. You've got I know. The fiery facts. I love the most like obscure like random facts. That's that's why we do this. That's why we do this. Well, weirdos, we hope you all enjoyed. Oh, that was a bit of a longer episode for <laughs> yeah. us. Sorry, I was very engaged, as you all could tell. <laughs> um, but have a good holiday. Do not forget to do the amazing things of rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing this podcast with anyone who you think may enjoy it to help us continue to grow. Um, Like we wound up on that awesome list. Yeah. Like everything's going to be in the show notes, but you all are helping us grow so much and we really appreciate the feedback and any guidance, any suggestions you all have. Please let us know. Yes. And you can always reach us at history for weirdos on Instagram Mm -hmm. and also history for weirdos at gmail.com. Thank you so much weirdos until next time. Adios. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.